Security clearance level three or above is required to access files. Command codes verified. Welcome back to GGR Pirate Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to part two of our discussion of movies of the 70s here on GGR Pirate Radio. Guys, my name is Mike Lunsford. Uh, We've got joining us on our roundtable discussion of the best movies of the 70s. We've got Steve Monick, the co-founder and co-creator of uh, The Great Geek Refuge and uh, my co-host when it comes to all things GGR Pirate Radio. Movies. We like them. <laughs> We've also got uh, GGR <laughs> contributor uh, TK Walker. Hi, guys. And joining us from Fantastic Forum, uh, he's the editor-in-chief. In fact, there will be an episode of Fantastic Forum tomorrow at 4 p.m. on WERA.FM if you want to check it out on the internet. Or if you're in the Arlington area, it's on 96.7 FM. His name is Ulysses E. Campbell. Thanks for the plug, Mike. Of course. Well, I'm also going to be on it, so it's... <laughs> well, you hadn't mentioned that part. <laughs> if you'd have led with, I'm going to be on an episode of Fantastic Forum tomorrow afternoon, then I would have been like, oh, okay. It's a tiny bit self-serving, just a little. <laughs> but guys, we were talking about the best movies of the 70s, and we started talking about, because Steve brought up uh, Alien, which is an unsettling sci-fi horror film. Um that had the ad line in space, no one can hear you scream, which, whew, man, that's scary. Like just that in itself. And a quick anecdote about, about that movie. So I, I mean, I had seen it of course, but the first time as a family, it was my, myself, my mom, my dad, my little brother. Um, and then like my aunt and uncle and then my grandmother, we all went to Disney world. So I'm like 13 years old. My brother is eight years younger than me. So that would have made him like four or five. Right. We rode what's called the great movie ride at Hollywood Studios, and they have a portion where you go through the SS Nostromo while the alien is trying to like basically the self-destruct is set. Ripley's trying to get off the ship and um, the alien is like lurking around. Right. I wouldn't have gone on that ride. (laughs) This ride was so great. Okay, so the alien basically pops out of the wall and it pops out of the ceiling like to scare you like a jump scare. Right. So. My my little brother didn't know it was coming. None of us did. It was the first time we had ridden this ride. And the alien pops out of the wall, and he was right there on the end where it was. And mm. he jumped out of his seat and, like, like, I don't know how it happened. He, like, flew to the other side of the car to sit next to my mom. <laughs> the alien jumped out of him. So, like, I – like, just, just that alone makes me think of that. Like, it's – that movie is so iconic. It's so scary. It's so awesome. Like – It's such a great film, Um, but it gives us the perfect segue into um, what I really think got refined. I mean, it really they in the 70s that I don't know what was going on. I mean, maybe it was just like all the horrible things that were going on in the world. Like we turned this into, well, let's make a bunch of really scary horror flicks to scare the shit out of everybody, Um, because there were a ton of really, really, really good horror movies. And I want to let TK kind of start us off here because I know she is a huge horror movie buff. So. What are some of your favorite movies from the 70s that were horror flicks, TK? Oh, there's so many. Um, Halloween is top of the list. Oh, yeah, for of sure. Of course. Yeah. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
Um, Amityville Horror. Amityville Horror is still to this day one of the scariest movies that I've ever watched. But the original one, not any of the remakes, not any of the second ones, the original Amityville Horror. Um, Exorcist, of course. Uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it's on my list. I have, I have Carrie on here because oh, Carrie was awesome because Carrie was like a horror movie, but it was also kind of like this awesome revenge flick because you kind of feel bad for her. And then like all of a sudden she gets telekinesis, telekinetic powers and she starts fucking everybody up and you're like, hell yeah, Carrie, get him. And then she like <laughs> locks the door in the prom and starts killing everybody. You're like, wait, wait, Carrie. No, hang on. Hang on. <laughs> hang on. <laughs> Easy. Okay. You're going a little too far. You know what? All right. Now, now you're the bad guy. Way to go. Congratulations. Like it's yeah. Like, but yeah, like all of those, God, they're all, they were just so great. Halloween. Holy shit. This, to this day still, like that is my favorite horror movie of all time because it's so scary and so creepy. And like Jamie Lee Curtis is just, she, first off, she's like super hot in the movie, but also like Michael Myers, we have no idea why he's doing this. We have no idea why he's killing people. He just is. And that makes it even scarier. And like, just, oh, just absolute work of art. Um, Exorcist, Yuli, I know you were talking about uh, that uh, while we were on break there, but like, yeah, this was just such a good time for really, really good horror flicks. Now, you're leaving out another really big horror movie from the 70s, uh, which I'm going to throw in uh, because it's so big and because of the guy who directed it, Jaws. Yeah. Yes, Shark Week. Yeah. <laughs> TK for the win don't even understand I had to go and get a shark drink today that came with this little toy shark I'm going to post the video on our Facebook so you guys can see it Sweet. it's wonderful I'm excited about this well like and not only that yeah it's it's a horror movie yeah but also it was the the term blockbuster comes from Jaws because Jaws was the first summer Blockbuster it was the first summer movie to just be ginormous like that. And oh, they, the term blockbuster came from that because people were lined up around the block yeah. and mm -hmm. somebody coined the term for that because of this movie. So like it was, yeah, it, it was, it was in, in a category all to itself. And to this day, there are people who won't go in oceans because of John. <laughs> and there are they won't go in swimming pools because of John. No, like, and there's there's literally like they show these they, these pictures on online. They're like, hey, look, there's this movie where they put up a big movie uh, screen uh, at a pool and they're screening Jaws and I'm, and people are in the pool like sitting in inner tubes watching this movie. I, I was like, how the hell could you watch <laughs> right? Like you know, it's a swimming pool. Like a, like a great white shark can't live in a chlorinated swimming pool, but it doesn't matter like that but <laughs> yeah, I, yeah exactly. i ain't gonna watch it sitting in there no no thank you i will sit very comfortably on my chair on the on the ground on the on the ground not even in an airplane exactly yeah of the feet above the sea because <laughs> i will not let a shark bite me while i'm watching this movie um yeah and like and jaws is one of those movies that like even because i'm not like a huge fan of the movie i've seen it maybe like twice but that is iconic that is one of those movies that like just sticks with you and like that speech that quint gives when he's talking about the uss indianapolis oh yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a really great scene in fact spielberg said because they didn't really know what they had apparently 
Spielberg had the opportunity to direct either Jaws or The Sting Part Two, <laughs> and you know The Sting, another big '70s movie. But you know that had been so big, and he he didn't know what he was going to do, and he decided to do Jaws. And then he was thinking along the way because there were so many problems making that movie, you know, because of being on location and all that. And the shark you know, never he, working. Yeah, yeah, you know. And he began to believe that he had made the mistake. And I understand. That scene where, um, you know, they had that speech from Quint talking about how the Indianapolis had gone down. They, he said everybody, after they shot that, they realized they had a movie, you know. And it was such a, a tiny part of that, whole, the whole film, but so I- important in terms of establishing those various characters. Yeah, that was, that was huge. I mean, my, personally, my favorite scene in the film uh, is when they first see the shark. And, you know, this, I mean, because it's just a perfect blending of all these elements, you know, and here's Roy Scheider. He's been, you know, throwing the uh, the chum in the water <laughs> and the thing raises up and he's terrified, you know, and he, he backs in there and, uh, you know, it's easy to, he's like, you're going to need a bigger boat, you know. But then, you know, when when the shark swims by and they've got like this heart music that's part of the thing and, uh, you know, um. Quintus Lee, sorry, uh, uh, Hooper, as like, that's a 20-footer. And Quint's like, 25, two tons of him. You know, and it's like, damn, look at his thing, you know? I mean, it's it's just such a beautiful scene. And, you know, you, you're, you're like, how are they going to stop this thing, this great white shark that's a freak of freaking nature? I mean, it's just... Yeah. Whew. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and like that... The, the final fight at the end where like Jaws has destroyed the boat and like it's all like he's, he's basically like up on the tower like with the rifle in his in his hand and he and he throws the the oxygen tank and, it, and Jaws has it stuck in his mouth and he says smile you son of a bitch as he blows him up that is such a badass one-liner like <laughs> yeah well and he's been popping off shots trying to hit the tank you know as the thing is swimming towards him I mean it's it's as much a suspense film as is a horror film because, you know, you don't see the shark at first and, you know, the whole soundtrack in terms because you want to talk about the impact of music. I mean, that Jaws theme, I mean, that's they start playing that and people start looking around. It's like, oh, my goodness. you know. In fact, they sort of establish because there's the one scene where those kids have made the fake fin. And, uh, you know, so they see that and, and, you know, people are running out of the water. But as a film goer, you're sitting there and you're like, wait, but I don't hear the music. What's going on? And of course you find out later, oh, it's not really the shark. And then you hear the music and it's like, oh, the shark's in the pond, the shark's in the pond. You know, it's like, oh my God. (laughs) That's another one with the music that, you know, just the dun, 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 like it sticks with you forever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, I'm surprised that Steve hasn't like, crossed his arms in protest and, and demanded us to stop the podcast because we haven't brought up the Pittsburgh legend himself, George Romero, when talking about horror movies um, and <laughs> and Dawn of the Dead. Um, because you were saying, too, that the, the mall that they filmed that in is still in Pittsburgh, correct, Steve? Uh, in a area outside of Pittsburgh called Monroeville. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was filmed in the Monroeville Mall. Which is not in the the safest location for different reasons today. 
Oh yeah, because it's a little less undead and a little more guns. But <laughs> it, it's yeah, I mean it's a classic film, and that's it, that is kind of secretly becoming the theme of this episode. Is like, let's talk about movies that had phenomenal sequels, like as good as Night of the Living Dead is, and it kind of you know has that Beatles thing going of like, well, it was a classic and it inspired so many things. But I kind of like the thing that came from it more than the thing itself. Yeah, that's how I feel about Dawn of the Dead. Like yeah. that movie, I, I think I like a little bit more than Night of the Living Dead. Um, it has that whole social commentary aspect to it. It's kind of a neat idea of running. Like we've all kind of like thought about that in the context of like, hey, if there's some kind of post-apocalyptic thing going on, it'd be kind of fun to take over a mall, and that's that's my new temple palace place where i fortify and no one's allowed in unless i say so and uh tom savini uh his makeup and special Ooh, effects and everything were, were, were pretty fantastic so um yeah that one that one's a classic and and definitely has a little hometown uh boost to its uh to its prestige around here yeah it's and it's romero like when you look at the original Night of the Living Dead, I mean, there, of course, there's subtext going on, and a lot of people just take it as like, oh, it's just a zombie movie. You know, no, there's so much more going on to it, and it's the same thing with this one, uh, with with Dawn of the Dead, because Dawn of the Dead is, yeah, okay, it's you know, apocalyptic situation where there's zombies and everybody's stuck in a mall, but it's all about consumerism, and the fact that he's able to weave that into a movie about you know flesh-eating monsters trying to kill. Uh, a group of survivors is just it, it's it's kind of awesome like because that's something that if you if you don't do that correctly everybody's gonna watch it and roll their eyes and be like oh geez we get it okay like it no like it's subtle enough that like if you're not really paying attention you might miss it and yeah. it's i mean d definitely like kudos to him for that because it was just excellently done it, it was done which was such a uh, an expert painter's touch like just this perfect like stroke that was used and just absolutely outstanding and i'm trying to think if there's any other horror movies that we missed um willard willard was like my absolute Ooh. favorite when i was a kid oh with the rats throw that in there yeah yes. yeah oh my mm -hmm. god i love wait that hang on so much what's the one with what's it called ben the yeah. one with the Michael That's Jackson Willard. song? That's the sequel. That's yeah. Willard. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was, and in fact, it's funny because it basically starts out with the rat killing Willard, you know? <laughs> Jeez. It's, I, um, oh, oh, the is, omen. Oh, yeah. Oh, the omen was good. Those are the horror movies that, like, legitimately scare me. Like, slasher movies I'll watch and be like, yeah, stab him in the face. But, like, the <laughs> omen, like, the, you know. The, the, that kind of stuff creeps the hell out of me. Yeah, that stuff with the devil. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Well, especially, too, because Gregory Peck just chewing scenery in that movie, man. Like, he's so intense in that movie. Damien, you have to stop. Like, it, yeah, just Gregory Peck is just amazing. Like, it just uh, absolutely outstanding in that movie. Uh, One of the ones, I have to say this, is the trilogy of terror. So my whole life yeah, that was on TV. traumatized. Huh? That was the TV one. I know what you're talking about. Karen Black and the little voodoo doll thing. The Zuni doll. The Zuni yes, doll. Yes, exactly. <laughs> my, like, I had no idea what this movie was. My mom would never let me watch anything but the Zuni doll portion, which honestly, the whole thing would have traumatized me a lot less than that stupid freaking Zuni doll. <laughs> but, and it, all of a sudden, probably like two years ago, 
people started posting memes and pictures of that thing. And um, I was like, oh, my God, that's that thing that scared me to death when I was a kid. So um, I was like, oh, that's what that's from. It's from this movie, you know, that I couldn't remember the name of it. But, so, man, that thing still, I still think about that sometimes when I see, like, little voodoo doll sort of things. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, heck no, that's not coming in my house. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it crazy the things that you saw as a kid that still kind of freak you out? Like there's some like I don't care how many times I've listened to the song. I don't I mean, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. And that's Thriller. Um, but there's something about um, Vincent Price's laugh that sends a chill up my spine every single time I hear it. Because I remember being a kid and there's the end of the video when Michael Jackson looks at the camera and he's got the the creepy cat eyes and there's that laugh. And it's still like to this day, like still, whew, man, like it gets me every time. Um, I wanted to go back to Exorcist for a second because I, I, I think we need to at least give this a, a note here because I'm looking at um, it's one of Steve's favorite topics to talk about. And that's how much a, how much movie a, a movie made or how much money a movie made. Comparatively, I'm looking at Star Wars. Star Wars gross was 322 million, right? Exorcist made 232 million dollars. Mm-hmm. Compar- comparatively, The Godfather, arguably one of the greatest movies of all time, 134 million. The Exorcist made almost double what The Godfather made. Like that's crazy. And like you made you guys made the connection of Pittsburgh being, you know, associated with Dawn of the Dead. Let me tell you, okay, you didn't grow up in the D.C. area if you didn't take a road trip up to Georgetown to see the Exorcist steps. <laughs> like every everybody does it. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it's just one of those things. Like once you get your driver's license and you and your friends are hanging out one night, you're like, hey, you guys want to go see the creepy Exorcist stairs in Georgetown? And yeah, man, it'll be cool. Let's go check it out. And you see it, and you're just, it's really not even that creepy. You're just like, oh, well. There they are. Um, but it's it's just one of those things. And like it, the movie doesn't really have anything to do with DC at all. But like it other than the fact that that's where they're located. But like St- Steve, you mentioned like that whole like the whole. Unholy, the whole like possession, the whole like evil of, of Satan and, and demons and stuff like that really freaks you out. Like maybe it's because I'm Jewish. It doesn't really scare me. But like the exorcist was funny when I watched it. Like it was, it was, I was like, oh, look, she, her head's spinning around. She's running down the stairs like a spider. Oh, and then she, puke and pee soup everywhere. Like I could see where it was creepy and I got it. But at the same time too, it was never really like unnerving for me. The music was the scariest oh. part. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, it's not even for me, like any religious acts aspect or anything like yeah. that for creep. I think for me, it's like when it's like some giant monster or dude or whatever, like we're talking about with slasher films, it's like. Yeah, I yep. get it. Some kind of guy coming in and, and putting an axe through your brain or whatever. Like, I get that. But yep. something about, like, this force or entity that corrupts from within, you know, like, takes something that's that's good and innocent and makes it anything but. I see what that, you're saying. That, yeah. to me, is creepy because then it's kind of like, like, the same way, like, people are grossed out by, like, disease and sickness. It's taking something that's good and healthy and then you're thinking like that could be me. I'm just a regular person, and then all of a sudden I get like corrupted and evil and all this stuff. And yeah. you know that's scarier to me just psychologically than like some seven foot dude kicking in my door and and you know cutting <laughs> me in half with a chainsaw. Yeah, I, I can. I feel I, like you uh, can yeah. protect yourself against you know all the monsters and stuff, but like if the yeah, supernatural inside you, you can't. Yeah, you're done for. Yeah, there's none of that. 
do we consider a clockwork orange to be a horror movie? Because I mean, it's not really a horror movie. It's kind of its own thing. It's yeah, you know, I always looked at Clockwork Orange as more of a uh, science fictiony type thing. That sort of falls into that sort of uh, not exactly dystopian future, but because of the way it unfolds. I mean, I, I I wouldn't necessarily qualify it as a horror movie. There's just there's so much horrific imagery to that movie. That's why I say that. Because there's the there's this there's the rape scene. There's them reprogramming him with like which has been used so many times. I always think of the Simpsons when there's the <laughs> scene where they're making him watch the movie and they've got his eyes like taped open. Like Yeah. I, IMDB qualifies yeah. it as crime, drama, sci fi. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm seeing here too with that. But I think that one deserves mention too because oh, it yeah. was just it was just out there and Kubrick was if you know anything about him and like his issues that he had with, you know, people, um, he was kind of, he was kind of a dick and, um, he didn't get along with his actors very well. Like the shining is a perfect example. There's just a horrific story of the way he treated Shelley Duvall in that movie. Um, but he was, I mean, he made some amazing movies. I mean, Dr. Strangelove, 2001, a clockwork orange, the shining full metal jacket. Um, he just, he was an incredible director, but like, it's, yeah, a bunch of those weren't in the yeah. '70s. So no, I know. I'm just yeah, like almost all of them. Yeah, and like yeah. I never, I didn't realize that 2001 was 1968. Like that's one of those movies that seemed timeless to me. I figured it was in the '70s, and I was like, wow, '68, man, that's crazy. Yeah, well, like I said, towards the end of the '60s, that's when you started yeah. seeing some of these social and cultural things having the kind of influence on Hollywood because you know the earlier part of the '60s. It was more sort of a continuation of kind of 50s movies, you know, and uh, I mean, you had some noteworthy exceptions. And I also um, I mean, I don't want to get out of the show without mentioning the fact that you had uh, some African-American stars, people like Sidney Poitier, who had begun to, uh, you know, make a bigger imprint on Hollywood. Certainly the black exploitation movies of the 70s. Um, you know, I, I think that's worth mentioning. But, you know, all these things that, you know, you started to kind of see at the tail end of the 60s that really picked up steam going into the 70s and had a lot to do with the 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 films that were made and the films that became popular. Yeah, it's I didn't. There wasn't too much about the whole black exploitation side of things that I really knew. I mean, there really wasn't anything that I I could mention specifically. Where I was like, "Oh, this one's a great one," but I mean, I knew that that was part of it. But like, oh, I yes. mean, Shaft, Trouble yeah. Man, Superfly, uh, oh my God, Foxy Brown. I mean, all these yeah. Pam Greer movies. I mean, that's you know, and in fact, African American actors were working. You know, I mean, it's just that the way that the films were not particular. They did not always present. Uh, the African American American community in the most positive light, and so there were a lot of uh, church groups and other uh, you know social groups in NAACP you know that frowned on these movies 
And uh, so Hollywood was like, well, shoot, you black folks will go to see white people in movies. We don't have to make black movies. But, um, you know, for anybody, especially if you've seen Shaft, I mean, here was this was a big deal because you know, here was a black man who was beating up white men you know, in the movies. And it was OK. He didn't get lynched or anything. He was sleeping with white women and all. It was like, oh, my God, look at this. I mean, nobody had ever seen anything like this. Well, and let's talk about music. You want to talk about a, an, a, like the greatest theme song of all time. <laughs> Isaac Hayes. Yeah. yeah you know. <laughs> who's the black private dick who's a sex machine to all the chicks <laughs> maybe he'll blow your mind <laughs> yeah yeah that stuff was no joke so and yeah. again but nobody had ever seen anything like this before and yeah. you know these, these films were coming into their own I mean it was and you had he wasn't the only one I mean you know to the point where you know this guy you know became I don't know his own sort of Hollywood icon Richard Roundtree you know and he had been he'd been a model up until there you know so and you know the fact that you could have i mean and very different from a bankable uh, black star like a sydney Poitier. and in fact i was going to mention um and i need to look up when this movie was because i don't believe i'm pretty sure it was a 60s movie guess who came to dinner but that was the type of thing you were seeing more towards the end of the 60s and then even sydney Poitier, he was doing you know films like in the heat of the night and they call me mr tibbs um, in the heat of the night, I want to say, was like either very early 70s or late 60s. I know for sure the sequel, They Call Me Mr. Tibbs, uh, you know, was uh, was early 70s. But, um, you know, I mean, all of a sudden, you know, you had uh, a little bit of diversity in Hollywood. Just a little. <laughs> Just a little. You know, in terms it was getting, of... It was yeah, getting with, there, yeah. Mm-hmm, you know, and, yeah. and that, that started, you know, then. Yeah. I want to go kind of roundtable here, guys, and go into any of the movies that we missed that that you just have to – like it would be a a, a travesty if we didn't bring them up in in our discussion of movies of the 70s. Well, Um, if if you don't mind, I've got a little list. Let me just run through them, and then I can get it all off my chest. (laughs) I'm I'm with it, man. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I wanted to mention the disaster films of the 70s. It really started with Airport in 1970, but kind of really hit a stride with Towering Inferno. You had a bunch of war movies. One of my personal favorites was Patton. A bunch of crime, drama, cop movies. We had mentioned um, The Godfather, but I want to mention Dirty Harry, which, of course, because of Clint Eastwood, you know, that was its own thing. French Connection, Seven Ups. Um, Also would be remiss if I didn't mention a film like All the President's Men, you know, because that had such a big deal in terms of the Watergate uh, break in and uh, the depiction of that. You know, of course, you had um, uh, Dustin Hoffman, you know, in that and um, uh, crap, I can't think of the other guy. He's big. You know who I'm talking about. uh, Blonde hair. Yeah. um, I'm blanking on his name, too. uh, Yes. But he was that guy. He was in in Winter Soldier. Wait, who, Steve? I said Chris Hemsworth is a good no, show. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Robert we'll Redford. Get to it Robert huh? Redford, yeah. Ray, Ray, Robert Redford, oh my God, how can I forget him? Um, you know, also, uh, the 70s brought us Chinatown and Rocky oh, and uh, yeah. the Hari, Rocky Horror Picture Show, the films of Woody Allen, and probably my single favorite, including Star Wars of the 70s, Superman the movie, which started the whole Hollywood superhero blockbuster uh, trend. And that is oh, I forgot what I about Superman. My chest. <laughs> Look at that. Look I at that segue, that Superman man. I love that Superman movie, too. <laughs> oh, I don't think any Superman depiction has, has gotten the feel of him right since that one. I mean, Superman 2 was, was pretty good, but... 
that first one where where it, it just it it I mean it was a long movie dude I want to say it was like three mm. hours long when all is said and done but like they get into every aspect of it and it was I still to this day like I, I will sit down and watch that movie because I don't think we've seen an on screen Superman that's been as good as Christopher Reeve there have been some that are close but none that have been as preach <laughs> preach Mike preach and, like, <laughs> I, we talked about it off air like for for a minute but like Chinatown holy shit I love that movie because I love film noir stuff so much. And that movie is just, it is perfect noir um, to, like, to the T. It is just absolutely wonderful where it's like, hey, he's a, he's a private dick. And some, some dame comes in saying, I need you to find out about my cheating husband. And then all of a sudden it unravels into this big political thing where there's all this stuff going on. Like that, that's, mm-hmm. it, it is the perfect plot. Um Jack Nicholson is, is just amazing in it. Faye Dunaway is awesome in that movie. And like one of the most iconic lines is like right at the end. And it was ad libbed. Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Like that was the end of it. And it was mm. like, God, just such a great movie. And the Godfather, like Steve, I know you hate mafia movies. <laughs> I, it's, not, it's not that I hate them. Yeah. It's the same thing for me in Westerns. It's just, I just never got into them. And I, I like, yeah. it's one of those things where like everyone cites you know, the Godfather and the Godfather part two and, and various Western movies that are like instant classics or whatever. And it's just, I just never got into it. Yeah. Well, remind me to never talk about the Sopranos with you. Fair <laughs> enough. See, <laughs> we, that might have to be another one. Cause I, I love mafia movies. I don't know why. Like, I just, I think they're so interesting. Like I love the Godfather and the Godfather two Godfather three is like a huge disappointment, but like Goodfellas, I absolutely love Goodfellas. Um, the Departed was just it was a work of art as well. Like I, I love mafia movies, and The Godfather is one of those ones that like I, I avoided for such a long time because I was like, there's no way it's as good as everybody's saying it is. <laughs> and then I finally sat down and watched it, and I was like, yeah, this is pretty damn good. Okay, yeah, it was epic. Yeah, and like the second one might actually be better than the first one. Like it's, the first one is is just it's incredible and. I just love the movie. The second one was, again, I think it was better. Um, when it comes to Superman, yeah, again, Superman is just, it's amazing. There's one that's, I'm going to touch on mine and then I'll let uh, Steve and TK kind of finish up here. But like, there's one that's really near and dear to my heart uh, that we didn't mention. And that's uh, the first Muppet movie. Oh, wow. That, yeah. I, I love the Muppets. And every time we go to Hollywood Studios, it's like this back corner of Hollywood Studios and Disney World where nobody really goes anymore because the Muppets just aren't a big draw like they used to be. But they have a, the Muppet Theater and you get to go and you get to watch a show that the Muppets perform. And like I, I, I've seen it probably a, a, a dozen times, if not more. And it makes me laugh every goddamn time. <laughs> like it's I, I love the Muppets so much. And like when I remember being a little kid. And when Jim Henson died and they had Kermit the Frog sing Rainbow Connection. And I, I remember crying. I was, uh, yeah, like it, w- that is one of the most moving songs ever, like sung by a frog sitting on a log in a pond. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's such a great movie. And there's so many great cameos in there. Steve Martin shows up like I, I can't. Mel Brooks is in the movie. Like mm. there's so many good cameos in that movie. And it's just absolutely wonderful. Um. But yeah, that's I mean, those we hit all the ones other than the last one I want to close out on is Apocalypse Now. I love mm. that movie. And the it, it's going to be because like um, 
a shameless plug here for my other project. Uh, stop me if you heard this, which uh, if you get a chance, go and listen to my Nirvana episode. It's a two-parter, but it's worth your time. Um, that's probably going to be the last music one that I do for a while because I want to start getting into like movies and TV and stuff like that. And I want to talk about Apocalypse Now because the behind-the-scenes stories of what was going on with this movie when it was being filmed is just absolutely insane. Like Martin Sheen had a heart attack while he was filming it. Like and like was in the middle of the jungle and basically had to like crawl out of like this Vietnamese that was still like there's still a war zone <laughs> like you know, like crawl out of this war zone to get to like safety like it's just just absolutely nuts all the things that were going on like Marlon Brando showed up on set and he was supposed to be in like decent shape and like he was like 50 pounds overweight and like just <laughs> big big gut so they basically had to like artfully film him in the shadows so that he didn't look a big fat load like it was just <laughs> it's an absolute nightmare but like and the fact that it actually even became a decent film in, in, after all of these horrible things that were going on is just like a testament to how good of a filmmaker Francis Ford Coppola is so <laughs> yeah uh who wants to go first, Steve or TK? Why don't, TK, why don't you go ahead? I defer to you. I'll go. The only other ones, um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, um, mm. uh, Mad Max, and, oh, sorry, my dogs. Oh, God, sorry. <laughs> I didn't hear, I've never heard of that one. Sorry, my dogs. Oh, <laughs> my gosh, my stupid dogs. That's a great movie. <laughs> and, um... No, but Mad Max oh, is a Greece. good call. Greece. Oh, my God, Greece. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that could open the door into talking about some of these 70s musicals. I didn't even want to go there, but uh, yes, thank you for mentioning that. <laughs> I love musicals. I love them so much. But, yeah. I think we'll we'll save that for another episode for sure. Okay. But, um, but, yeah, like, Greece is one of those movies that, like, I feel like even if you don't want to know the words to the songs you do, because you've heard them so many times, like it, you don't have a choice. Like it's just, oh. it's in, it's in your brain. Like, you just... have no idea, Mike. I mean, as somebody, who, <laughs> seriously, as somebody who lived in those days, when I find, cause uh, a niece of my wife stayed with us one summer, huge yeah. Grease fan. So we watched the movie and I hadn't realized that all these songs that I had been hearing on the radio that summer that that movie was out, every song off that album was a freaking hit. Every freaking song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Played them all the time on the radio. Oh yeah, they still get radio play too. It's crazy. Uh, Steve, what are some of your uh, movies from the seventies that we have not discussed yet, or if we have discussed them, you're just like, hang on, we talked about it, and we mentioned it in passing. We gotta ex- blow this up a little bit and talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, the the majority of the ones that I had on my list were were kind of mentioned, but the one that um, warrants, I think, just a, a touch more discussion would have been Rocky. Um, mm. I mean when there's been that many films in a franchise and, and that was the first one um, mm-hmm. probably warrants a, li- a little bit of conversation. Uh, that was me and my buddy uh, Jim, like in high school, like when we weren't talking about superhero stuff, we were talking about, you know, Rocky movies and just, you know, as far as sports movies go, I mean, I, when people say like, Oh, what's your favorite genre of movie? Like, I don't think many people think sports movies. Uh, I, I think it's kind of uh hit or miss genre there's either like it's a great one or it's like whatever who cares um and and that's a great one uh it it launched a career of stallone whether you like his films or not uh but i i mean i think it's a classic movie and i think it represents america in a lot of ways like with the whole underdog thing that everyone tries to 
everyone pictures themselves as the underdog in this country i think uh so i think it speaks to a lot of people in that in that context but when you actually dig into the story of that one like kind of got to give sylvester Stallone some props for all the work that he put into that film he really did man like and he fought for this too because he wrote it and like they wanted to cast somebody else to play rocky and he refused he was like nope it's got to be me and i mean it made his career he won an oscar for it and there's actually it's a really old article that we have on ggr but if you type in um stallone if you just go to the articles tab and you click in stallone i actually talk about sylvester stallone's career um it was one of the nostalgia november articles that i did because i just i thought his career was so fascinating because like he's he did these like two like hallmark franchises he did rocky and he did rambo and like then he's got like a few other like pretty decent flicks but then there's just a ton of crap that he did like <laughs> like judge dread lockup cobra rhinestone yeah rhinestone he was in a movie with dolly parton and he was a country music star yeah um stop her my mom will shoot um and like and what did he end up doing like to 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 remake his career like he went back to the franchises that made his career you know like and think about how unprecedented that is like it's not like if McDonald's like started failing and they were like, hey, we're going to start frying all of our fries in uh, animal fat again and that'll bring everybody back. Like that, that sort of thing doesn't work. But he was like, you know what? My career is not doing so well. I'm going to do another Rocky movie. And Rocky Balboa, if you guys haven't seen it, is incredible. Like it, it goes, it just, it really let him show how good of a writer he is and how good of an actor he is. And the fact that he didn't have to make Rocky the hero because basically if you haven't seen the movie, like Rocky is like on some pretty down times, man. He basically owns an Italian restaurant. He's kind of like a shell of his former self. And ESPN does one of those like, hey, historically, who would have won this fight sort of thing? Rocky or the current champ? And they were like, Rocky would have won. And the champ is like, well, that's BS. And Rocky's like, well, why don't I train? And then we'll fight. And you're just like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, what? And then it actually is realistic because like in doing this, he rebuilds his relationship with his son. Like Adrian's dead. It's just, it's fucked up. But you're just yeah, like, I was, was going to say about that, like Milo Ventimiglia in that movie is yeah. really really yeah. good it's his son like that you're right like that's a great movie and and the acting's on point with it um it was it was a much better well and i know that there were the two creed movies where he kind of took on the mickey role like but to end like the rocky portion of that franchise much better ending than rocky five. Oh yeah for sure yeah and then like for him to come back as john rambo was i mean first off that movie mm. that movie is brutal like yeah, the single so... most violent film I think ever made in terms of, although Cobra probably actually, because I counted the number of people who died in Cobra. On an average, somebody got killed like every minute in Cobra. So, but when is, it was when does Last Blood come out? That's coming out soon, right? It is. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's supposed to come out uh, later this year, actually. Yeah. But that that looks like that's going to be pretty good too. But like just just seeing him come back. Well, that's another I, one. First yeah. Blood. That was a 70s movie. Was it? Yeah. How did we miss that one? I don't know. Holy crap. Was it a 70s movie? Right? I Wasn't it? No. Probably, no, 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 no. It's an 80s movie. I'm sorry. It's it's early 80s. It's okay. Bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, that, that felt like the 70s. <laughs> if I'd have found out that was 79, you know. In fact, shoot, even uh, Nighthawks was 81. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, yeah. He, he... Rocky was... was 
an incredible movie. And think about it. I mean, he was basically a nobody when he did that movie. And oh, like he went from, basically he was he was a nobody. Yeah. <laughs> he was a nobody. <laughs> he was a, he was a nobody who went from nothing to talent. You know, he, he showed everybody he got his chance and he took it. And it's it's so cool, like how his career is so similar to this character that he wrote. So like it's 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 such an interesting thing. And yeah, Ro- Rocky, I think, is it's one of those movies that like even if you haven't we go back to the music, man, iconic music like that Rocky theme song. Like if that doesn't everyone get pumped up, it. yeah, everyone knows it. You start yeah. humming it right now and everyone's starting yeah. to do air punches in their seat. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, but you know the cut from Rocky that I really like, uh, and I had to look this up. It's called the Final Bell, and uh, you know it's that yeah. you know after he's won the fight, who doesn't want to hear that in their life? If they're playing that shit, that means you won. You did some great. Oh. You like it? Like as they're lowering you into the grave, like that's yeah. your <laughs> that yeah. you're going. I mean, you're sent yeah. off. Yeah, you know. I mean, I um. Yeah. I had this I had this like incre- like at work we have these incentives where if you do a certain number of things I don't want to give too much detail away because they still don't want to mention who I work for um, but like we have these incentives and if you do a certain number of things you get a bonus right and I come into the last day of July with like it, it's it's a it's a really really unlikely possibility that I'm gonna hit bonus it's just not really likely to happen basically I'm gonna have to like have like the the best day I've ever had there, and I managed to do it. <laughs> and like it's you the final you, bell. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because that's basically what I was I was doing because like, I was like joking with the supervisor that it was there because I stayed like an extra hour late, and they were hanging out with me while they were doing some paperwork. And they there's like this big um, company blanket that one of the people has on their chair and I took it and wore it like the American flag and was like <laughs> running around and I was like I did it I did it Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get a tree planted in the back for you, Mike. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be so exciting. It's going to have your call work time listed on it. <laughs> Man, that is a, that is an inside joke. Um... <laughs> Walking to the next yeah. you get it. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I had a uh, like a championship belt and just like carried it into work that day. It would have been awesome. Uh, there's a couple that we missed, and like honestly, like they're amazing movies, but I haven't seen them all the way through. And that's why I didn't bring them up. Uh, but I want to at least give them their due. Uh, that would be uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thank um, you. I was animal, thinking about that house. and I left it off and I'm like, yeah. oh, fuck it. I lost my chance. I might have to get divorced if I didn't mention it because it's one of her favorite movies of all time. Uh, Sandy absolutely loves Animal House. Oh, there you go. That and was another one. Mm-hmm. And it's a classic, too. And, like, we were watching some period piece. We were, there's a show on Hulu called Harlots, right? And they're singing that song, I gave my love. Or something like, <laughs> and, and I made a joke to her. I was like, are they going to, like, steal this guy's, like, loot and smash it and then, like, apologize? Like, <laughs> Animal House is one of those movies that, like, everybody's seen. Even if you've never actually seen it, somehow you've seen it. Like, it, it's like it gets played in your in your brain it's like broadcast into your brainwave so like you dream about the movie everybody has seen this movie in some way in some way shape or form um another one is the deer hunter like i've seen like a good 85 percent of this movie 
And it, what I've seen, I've seen like I, I've never seen it all the way from the beginning, but I've caught it like at least like like 20, 30 minutes in every single time. And I keep kicking myself because I mean to watch the whole thing, because what I've seen is incredible. And it won an Academy Award for best movie yeah. um, it's, that it's year. It's a messed up movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's De Niro, a messed up movie. Christopher yeah. Walken. Like, it's just a great movie. Uh, Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver needs to get mentioned mm -hmm. here, too. Um, I've seen a good chunk of that one, too. But like Robert De Niro just playing crazy is just always, always a good, a good treat for, for everybody to enjoy. Uh, are there any others that we missed here that we didn't talk about? Probably. Of course there are. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's always going to be some that we miss here. But um, yeah, I like to hope that we hit some of the um, some some of the big, big movies, you know, I mean, in terms of, you know, these these. Um, uh, genres that kind of got started. I mean, you know, we could have gone into greater detail about a bunch of them, but uh, yeah, I, I like to think that um, that we sort of covered the the main ones. And that was the goal with this is, is we wanted to kind of scratch the surface and just as always, it's so much fun just talking about this stuff with your friends and we'll be back to do this again. But next time when we do this, we're going to be talking about the eighties, which I'm just like, I am so excited about. And I know TK is excited about, and I know MC's excited about, it, I know Rambo's excited about it. Cause like the eighties is like our wheelhouse. Like this is when we first started watching movies and like, this is, I'm, there's so many good ones that I can't wait to talk about. Um, the seventies, I need, it needed to get its due. And, and then I'm glad that we did because there were so many wonderful films that came from here. Well, that but was I wanted... the foundation on which the 80s were built. And yeah. I'm going to be curious uh, to hear that show and to find out what you guys talk about. Because, um, you know, the in a lot of ways, the 80s, I mean, each, each decade has its own unique flavor in terms of the movies that separates it from all the previous ones and then all the ones that come after and I'm just going to be really curious uh, to see what you guys talk about because, like I said, the '70s. I mean, that was that was sort of. I mean, I guess the '70s to me is what the '80s is going to be like to you in terms of because, like, like I said, I was seven years old coming into the start of that decade, and so that was sort of my coming of age in terms of the movies that I saw and um, you know their 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 formative influence on me. And I got to believe that's going to be the same kind of thing with you guys in the 80s. So it's, uh, you know, it's just going to be interesting to see um, what movies you talk about and how they impacted you. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm excited about that one as, as much as I was about this one, because uh, again, like, I just love talking movies. It's, it's something I've loved since I was a kid. So I think that one's going to be a lot of fun, too. Um, we've already mentioned some of them, too, because they're sequels, too, or the director who did a big one in the 70s did one in the 80s, too. So, like, I can already I'm just looking through this list already. The Shining is going to be on this one. Like, I, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, Aliens. Yeah. Back to the Future. Full Metal Jacket. Um Oh God, Die Hard! Yeah, yeah, this is gonna be. <laughs> Let's not start this. Let's not start this. We could oh go all night with gosh. this. Yeah, yeah, and Lost Boys, you're... Silver Bullet. Yeah, there's yeah. so many. Yeah. It's, it's a mixed bag though, because I think action. I mean, true action movies started to be bigger and and more popular in the decade of the '80s. Oh yeah, and um, and not all of those. You know. I, 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 I have learned that 
not everything that I like is good. Okay. So <laughs> some people, you know, there's a movie that they like and they're like, oh, that was a really good movie. No, that's not really what you mean. What you mean is I really like this movie. There are a lot of things that I like that totally suck. And I recognize that, you know, yep. being able to look at them objectively. And, you know, so when you get, when you get too far down the, the end of the sequels, and, you know, sometimes these things have a certain derivative nature to them. I mean, again, not to be disparaging to anything in particular, but because uh, there were, I mean, I, I would sort of say in some ways the 80s were the decade of sequels. And uh, you had a lot of these film franchises that got going. And, you know, Hollywood recognized, I think, in an effort to minimize their potential losses, they said, you know what? If this is what people want to see, let's give them what they want. And so, yeah. you know, maybe there was a little less social consciousness kind of thing like you found in the late 60s and 70s and more of a, hey, these these big movies that came out at the end of the 70s, you know, we're going to start trying to totally entertain people. You want tentpole movies. You want blockbusters. Well, here you go. Here's E.T., damn it. Love it, you know? Well, and that fits with the feel of the 80s, too. Because the 80s, like, if you think about, like, anytime I picture the 80s as, as like, a decade, I think of Wall Street. And I think of, like, oh, who cares? <laughs> who Exactly. Who cares about, you know, morals? It's all about money, you know? Whoever dies with the most stuff wins. Like, that, that mindset. And that's kind of how the movies were in a certain aspect, where it's like, let's just squeeze every dollar we can out of this franchise. Um, but from that, a lot of great things came. So... I think we'll 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 tackle this. We've already started a great conversation about it, but you guys can tune in the next time we do an episode of GGR Pirate Radios. Uh, but guys, let me thank everyone. Uh, TK Walker, uh, as always, thank you so much for all that you contribute to the website. In fact, you're so on top of things. You already posted your Shark Week picture in the GGR <laughs> I appreciate that. I did. Wait, it's on the website? It's, well, oh, no, it it's, on the, it's, it's on the Facebook page. It's on the Facebook page. page. So oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Just wanted to know where I was looking for this. Yeah. yeah, it's on the Facebook page. You can see her very cool uh, Shark Week uh, special edition glass that she has with her beverage of choice in there. Uh, so that's always really cool. Guys, hey, make sure you're checking out MC Brooks and what he's doing. He wasn't on uh, tonight's episode because he was like, I don't know anything about 70s movies. So uh, he... <laughs> Actually, he has. Oh, this is great! I'm sorry. I'm looking at this. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I waited all week for this shit. Like, you don't even understand. I was like, we have to go Friday so I can get this drink. Like, <laughs> nice. So, wait, is Isn't that a glass? Like... The little shark thing, or is that just what it's, they used to pour the blood it's into a it? Test tube shot. <laughs> No, so the drink is called a shark bite, and mm. it's a test tube shot filled with grenadine, or grenadine, or however it's pronounced, um, and then the drink is like, I don't know, blue, blue and vodka and like super <laughs> sugary, but when you pour it in there, it's supposed blood, to look blood like, water. you know, blood. <laughs> the commercial is way better than what my drink was, but, you know, it is what it is. I got a I toy did, shark out of it. I uh, did like your commentary, oh, though. You with, keep, though the you keep the shark? Keep the shark? She even sings the song too. She's like, she's like, it's Shark Week. Dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> Wait, because tomorrow I'm making a shark cheesecake. I've been looking forward to this all week too. Oh, yeah. I'm saying, see, you, you, you come, 
you come for the podcast, you stay for for TK Walker's amazing commentary uh, with Shark Week with all sorts of various beverages, and she's got chips. She had the chips. She was doing that as a shark fin too. There's gonna be a shark. Yeah. This is some exciting shit, is what this is. <laughs> it is. It really is. Hey, and you missed something too. Um, there is a movie coming out next week. Uh, the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark comes out oh, on yeah. Friday. Uh, so. That's right. Yuli, are you going to get to see that? Uh, I don't know. I suppose I will have to uh, maybe call and find out if uh, <laughs> you know I can get in on that. I got news for you, fools. Next weekend, I'm taking Jax to go see Dora the Explorer. So. <laughs> <laughs> I got the live on... action version. Yeah, dude. Sun- mm-hmm. Sunday, we've got free tickets to go see it. So we're going to go check. Oh, that. that was what you were saying. Sandy had gotten you tickets. Yeah. For. yeah. I, for some reason, I thought that that was that same day. No, I didn't I realize wish. that was still coming up. I wish. Yeah, no, that'll be this. Uh, the, not this Sunday, but like uh, the following Sunday, we will be seeing Dora the Explorer in the theaters. So I'm uh, like, make sure I, you <laughs> post your boots cosplay. like i don't already have it like laid out in my closet ready to go steve you know me so well like hang up there you pet it every night (laughs) soon soon i'm gonna come to swiper i'm coming to swiper and getting your popcorn that's it it's on jacks will be like tk no swiping tk no swiping (laughs) oh man oh my god on that note guys let's go ahead and wrap up this episode Check out the website. It's greatgeekrefuge.com. There is wonderful podcasts. I started plugging it, and then we got distracted by Shark Week. But MC Brooks <laughs> is just doing awesome stuff, man. He's got a new song that he put out. It's called Better Days. It was the song that we closed out the last episode of Pirate Radio with. Uh, check it out. It's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. It's on Tidal. Wherever you can get music, go there. Go to his Bandcamp site. Um Help help the dude out. Throw a little money his way. You know, I'm sure he would appreciate it. He's a talented artist. I love what he does. He keeps working hard. And he's got an episode of The Overflow coming up where he is going to tell us about all the things that he did at Otakon, which was this past weekend. So there was all sorts of cool things going on at Otakon. You definitely want to check that out. But all the content that we got, as I was mentioning, my Stop Me If You Heard This uh, show is up. It's posted. It's about Nirvana. It's two episodes long, but it was a, uh, a passion project. It is. They were my favorite band when I was a kid. It was like the first time I'd ever heard music where it like blew my mind. I was like, holy crap, I got to listen to these guys and see what they're going to do. So that one was real special to me. So check that one out as well. Um, but for everybody here, for Steve, for TK, uh, for myself, um, for Mr. Ulysses E. Campbell, which before we'll go, I'll let him go ahead and plug all of the stuff that he does. Tell us a little bit about Fantastic Form, Mr. Campbell. Oh, well, thank you very much. That's unexpected, given that you had plugged the show coming on tomorrow, but I'm I appreciate keep it. keep plugging it as uh, many times as we can. There you go, my man. So, uh, yeah, Fantastic Form, the radio version, is on Saturday afternoons at 4 p.m. on WERA 96.7 FM. We also have a website at fantasticforum.tv where you can see... Uh, episodes of the television version of the show. We have segments broken out because we have a discussion, we have interviews, we have toy and game profiles, we have uh, event coverage, uh, special features, and you can see all of that at fantasticforum.tv. You can also listen to some of the radio shows. So uh, check us out because uh, it's not the Great Geek Refuge, but hey, it's given us something to shoot for. Well, I appreciate that. But everybody out there, um, guys, we, we do this because we're friends. We do this because we enjoy each other's company and we like talking about nerdy, geeky things. 
but we also love that you want to be involved in this and that you want to listen to our nerdiness and geekiness. So we appreciate that you listen. We appreciate that you follow us, that you share our stuff. Hey, we have more iTunes comments, man. We, we've we've tripled since the last time I checked. We had one the last time I checked, and we have three. So I'm just super excited about that. That's super awesome. Uh, and a shout-out to our podcast friends out there. That's uh, That one time I was abducted by aliens. That's Bree. Uh, that's Jamie. They do awesome stuff. They're just killing it. Uh, and they're just super supportive. And sh- Jamie was the one who left one of the comments on our page. So, hey, whatever. You know, I just appreciate that people are appreciating us. So on that note, uh, we will catch you guys the next time around. For all of us here at the Great Geek Refuge, my name is Mike Lunsford. And remember, don't be a juice bag. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for more podcasts and our awesome articles. Pirate Radio Network production juice bags. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, boy.